Hello, listeners, and welcome to the new and improved Bright Green Light podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Swanson. After starting the show at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, I unfortunately ran out of time to record new episodes, and we all know just how quick time can fly away from us, especially during these weird uh, times we have with the COVID-19 pandemic. That said, I am happy to be back with a new, revitalized, bright green light with new guests, exciting stories, and engaging topics that will be sure to keep you entertained. Uploads to this podcast may be sporadic for the next few weeks, but things should be settling into a more consistent schedule soon. For the first episode back, I spoke with a friend and colleague of mine, Ms. Alexa Smith. Alexa is a senior at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, who, in April of 2021, published a book on the circular economy and zero-waste movement called An Economic Eclipse, Shifting Toward a Sustainable Future by Eliminating Waste. Alexa is majoring in natural resources and environmental sciences and dual minoring in environmental economics and law and the Sustainability, Energy, and Environment Fellows Program. Besides her studies and her authorship, Alexa's environmental activism extends to her work on campus with social entrepreneurship, zero waste and sustainability engagement for the university, and other personal projects like her upcoming podcast about circular fashion that you will hear more about shortly. I read Alexa's book this past fall, and I wholeheartedly recommend it to anybody looking to get their feet wet in the zero waste and circular economy movement. A link to buy the book, as well as a link to Alexa's website, can be found in the description of this podcast. During this upcoming episode, I talk with Alexa about how she got started in the zero waste movement, tips for people new to the environmental movement, and what she plans to do next in her career. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for a synopsis of An Economic Eclipse, delivered from Alexa herself, as well as to learn more about what she is working on. Without further ado, let's jump into our episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Bright Green Light Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Swanson, and I'm here today with Alexa Smith, the author, or the author of An Economic Eclipse, Shifting Toward a Sustainable Future by Eliminating Waste. Hello, Alexa. Hello, Tyler. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I absolutely love this book. I think we're going to have some great conversations about zero waste, the environmental movement in this episode. Um, and I'm just really excited to, to have you. So let's jump into this first question I have, which is something I kind of like to ask all people who come on this show, because I think it's just such a great question. What was your motivation for getting into the environmental movement in the first place? And how did that bring you to eventually writing an economic eclipse? Yeah, so... This is a question that I always struggle to answer um, because I can't really recall a single instance that I was like, yes, now I'm an environmentalist. Uh, It was definitely sort of a a slow burning process for me. Uh But I would say the really transformative decision that I made in my life that's put me on this path was studying environmental science. I'm majoring in Um, natural resources and environmental science at the U of I. And so I took an AP environmental science class in high school, right around the time I was applying for colleges. And I was learning a lot about environmental issues that I didn't really have at all in my required education. This was just sort of like a supplementary class that I was taking. And it made me really upset, to be honest. So (laughs) Right. Yeah. It was around this time. I was just kind of looking for looking at the future of my education and my career. And I thought this would be a really great area to make a difference and find purpose in my line of work, I guess. That's great. I totally get that. I think 
you know, for me, it was kind of a similar way, except it wasn't more of a class. It was more of just seeing it, you know, more and more in the news, you know, all these environmental issues. And it makes you want to learn more because I feel like it's, a, it's such a big problem that people are awakened to. Um, you know, how could you not want to learn more about it? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's crazy to me because we're all surrounded by our environment and most of us go outside at least once a day. But the fact that there's such a disconnection between um, our daily lifestyles and our consumption habits, and then the impact that that has on the environment, whether that be in our local communities or somewhere else in the world, um, really fascinated me. Yeah. So you find this class in high school, you come to U of I, uh, you're you know studying NRES, and then I understand you've been involved with some activities on campus as well relating to zero waste. Could you talk more about that? Sure. Yeah. So what really kickstarted, I think, my interest in zero waste is there was this student group called Project for Less. And basically what they did was solving the food insecurity crisis in our local campus community by um, supplementing it with food waste. And when I first heard about these two coexisting issues, my initial reaction was, this makes no sense. How can we have both an abundance of food that's going to landfill and this massive community of people that don't have access to food on a regular basis in the same city? So yeah. I joined this organization and um, I'm not currently involved in it anymore. Um, I just have a lot going on, but sure. it was really great. So they worked with community groups um, that served um, food insecure individuals in the community and then worked with our university university dining halls to um, collect the pre-consumer food waste at the end of each dining shift and then they would redistribute it. Yeah, I think that's a really great organization. And of course, me being at the U of I, you know, we're both students here. It's, you know, definitely a topic that's so important. You always see um, this big issue of food insecurity and yet we have these dining halls where it's just go in and eat whatever you want you know, there's so much left over all the time. I worked in the dining hall for a short period, so I can attest to that. There's just so much food waste. Yeah. Um, now, when I say a short period, I mean a very short period. I was there for like two weeks, but still, you get <laughs> that. You get the exactly, exactly. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with you know throwing away food and wiping tables for eight hours. But, yeah, understandable. Uh, yeah, so that's a great organization. And, you know, now you're not only are you into environmental issues, you're into the zero waste movement. And then pandemic happens and you decide to write this book, which I think is really fantastic. Where you, I think you do a great job of summarizing this, this issue and you know, describing a lot of the big players um, in kind of this emerging um, circular economy, which is something it's a new topic that I don't think as many people are familiar with. Could you kind of talk about the process of you know, going from being an enthusiast of zero waste and caring about the issue to then doing all this research, writing this book? Sure. Yeah, I would say that it was all very, um, I don't know, it just seemed like the stars were aligning and I was <laughs> called to write this book. But um, yeah, so it was the beginning of the pandemic. I actually had been studying abroad in Greece at a sustainable agriculture school oh, wow. and yeah it was great until I was sent home <laughs> um, <laughs> at the start of the pandemic but yeah while I was there I learned a little bit 
very briefly about sustainable business. Um, I attended a couple master students presentations and it was a lot about consumer psychology um, and how that can be kind of played upon to encourage sustainable habits. And so um, I was really fascinated by that. In my major, I talked a lot about uh, policy and biology, a little bit of social science, but never, never really the business side of things. Sure. So um, it also happened that the internship I was planning on um, doing over the summer was canceled because of the pandemic. So yeah. I just had a lot of spare time on my hands and this new fascinating area of um, study that I wanted to explore. And then at the same time, I found out about a program at Georgetown University to teach students and working professionals how to write a book. And they would connect us with editors and a publishing team and a community of fellow authors to support us along the way. So I guess all of these things kind of led me to write the book, um, which kind of started off vaguely as an analysis of sustainability in business. And then I realized that that was a massive beast to tackle. There's just so many different meanings of sustainability and there's not really consistency within the business community. So I honed in on zero waste and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I really like how it, everything did kind of line up just perfectly for you to be able to go into this. Um, and I guess, and you know, another thing about the book and, you know, you kind of just mentioned it as well as you were drawn to the sustainable business aspect, which I think is a unique thing from my experience um, you know, in environmental issues is it's not very common that I come along um, or I come across a topic or an author in this space who is concerned with the corporate side of things. You know, it's usually from a very activist, you know, grassroots, you know, building social movements, um, which I think you definitely touch on. But you also touch a lot on the corporate side, which I think is very interesting. Um, so I guess, do you do you see that as being maybe not more important, but something that you're able to make a bigger change in? Or what is it exactly about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I definitely am. I definitely started out college as your um, typical environmentalist, just sort of totally against capitalism and just kind of wanted to ignore business, you know? <laughs> like, sure, wouldn't sure. it just be great if we were all, you know, socially and environmentally aware in all of our habits or consistent with that. But unfortunately, that's not the reality of things. So um, when I started learning about sustainable business, I figured that I thought it was great that it could connect both the industry and the individual. And I felt like it really went into this idea of systems change. Because I think that with a lot of environmental issues, if you're looking at even climate change, for example, you might choose to ride your bike every day, only take cold showers, even like never have your lights on in your house. And no matter how devoted you are to those behaviors, it unfortunately seems like it's not going to make a difference. Um, So I felt like business was addressing more of that systemic change that needs to happen, um, but at the same time can connect with consumers Um, individuals as consumers to kind of create this habitual behavior change. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. And I like the way that you come, you kind of come across that. Um, another thing you talk a lot about in the book is you think that, or you, you advocate for consumers to educate themselves on zero waste and the best products to go for. And that's something that I think for some people can be kind of difficult, you know, where to start, where to look, you know, how do you make these choices? And I kind of want to know what your thoughts are on the best way for a consumer who wants to, you know, reduce their waste footprint uh, and, you know, be more sustainable. What's the best way for them to go about doing that? Yeah, definitely. It can seem so overwhelming. Um, I talk about a little bit in the book how it kind of, um, it's similar to the idea of like a keto diet, right? Because you're in that instance, you're supposed to have like zero sugar or I don't know. I feel like it kind of falls in line with those trends. Um, when you have to completely restrict yourself from something, it can seem even more difficult than just kind of slowly changing your habits. But, um, for zero waste, I think that reducing the amount of products that you buy that will produce waste at the end of their life and being conscious at the moment that you're making a purchasing decision is really the most important thing. Um, and I think that a lot of people have the, or I really, I know that a lot of people have the misconception about the circular economy that recycling is the number one answer. And mm -hmm. I've actually had some conversations with different um, material science professors at the U of I who see the circular economy as a really bleak solution because they think that recycling is kind of the top priority. Sure. Um, and it is definitely recycling is a major part of the circular economy, but I think that as an individual reducing your consumption in the first place and just really thinking, do I need to buy all of this stuff? Like what, what is it serving me? Um, and what will it, what is its impact on the environment at the end of its life? I think that's really the most important. And there are a lot of swaps too, that you can make, yeah. um, that I like to kind of bring up things that I did early on in my journey. Like, oh boy, I, I switched from using K cups to using a traditional coffee pot. Um, sure. and just buying like reusable bags and cups and things that you can reduce your plastic. I think that plastic is something that a lot of people care a lot about after seeing some of those videos of, you know, marine life, unfortunately, ingesting the plastic. So maybe that's a step. If you want to pick like one thing that you want to reduce from your consumptive lifestyle and go from there. Yeah. Almost like a kind of like, like you said, like a food diet, but for what you buy. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's a great way to think about it. I really like that. <laughs> and then another thing that I've kind of noticed when, you know, you're going out and you're looking to be more sustainable, or maybe you're not exactly looking to be sustainable and you're just your average customer, you're faced with two options, you know, one of them being more sustainable, you know, it's better for the environment, but it costs a little bit more, but then you also have this cheaper option, you know, get your needs immediately and then throw it away when you're done. What would you say is the best way to motivate somebody who has that mindset of like, do I choose between this, this greener and, you know, more expensive product and a, you know, less green, cheaper product? How would you motivate them to go and, and pick that more sustainable option? Yeah, that's interesting. You bring it up. Actually, today I attended this seminar from a nonprofit or research organization called Circle Economy, oh, cool. and they were 
um, yeah, they were talking about their recent circularity gap report that they just released this year. And the main challenge that a lot of the professionals were talking about in the circular economy is the fact that virgin materials are often less expensive than repurposed ones. And so in in the long term, I think that there do need to be taxes so that um, virgin materials are more expensive. I think that's, it's really just, it comes down to economics and until that happens, I don't think it would be adopted on a wide scale. Um, But as an individual, I would say, although it might seem like you're saving money by choosing the more disposable option, if you think about in the long term, how many uses a more sustainable product will replace, um, yeah, as opposed to the disposable alternative, you most likely, in a lot of circumstances, you might be saving money. Um, so if you're really financially inclined, I would say, yeah, look into that. Okay, great advice. And then another thing, you know, kind of staying on this issue of, you know, kind of, you know, saving money, spending money, you mentioned also in your book that, you know, your, your zero waste living or your reduced waste living um, really lifted a weight off your bank account, which I thought was interesting because it's, I think, something that not a lot of people consider. They usually think of it as being, you know, a more expensive way of living. Um, could you talk about how you were able to, you know, save some money by, you know, kind of investing in these zero waste products in this lifestyle? Yeah, definitely. So, um, oh boy, where do I start? So I guess I would say the grocery store is one place that I really noticed this. So I try to buy, most of the things I buy at the grocery store are either in the bulk section or like fresh produce. Sure. Sometimes I get like canned things, but things that have recyclable packaging or no packaging at all is what I try to go for. So, um, so doing that along with just analyzing my consumption and trying to buy fewer things overall kind of in line with the minimalist movement i save a lot of money that way um but i think that it really is a major misconception about the zero waste lifestyle that you have to have you know pristine stainless steel containers or everything in glass packaging and things like that but the the heart of zero waste is using the things you already have or um i mean i thrift a lot of things if i need new things for like my home sure i will always try to buy them secondhand and save a lot of money that way so the savings are endless <laughs> the possibility <laughs> is there it does not have to be a you know a high income you know first world dream i suppose to be you know mm-hmm to be living a better lifestyle. I think that's a really important thing for a lot of people to know. So I'm glad we were able to talk about that some more. Um, and then another thing I want to ask, I mean, you touched on this a little bit with how you, how you shop, um, and, you know, choose to purchase different products. Um, but what are some other changes you made maybe at home to reduce your waste generation and kind of, you know, reduce that output of trash that you're putting in the can every week? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would say composting is a really big one. Okay. So, um, yeah, and it doesn't have to be fancy. I, I recently heard that there is, so there's this company called Pila that I actually mentioned in my book that has compostable phone cases, but yes. they recently launched a 
at-home countertop composter. I believe it's called Lomi. I saw so, that and I kind of wanted to buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that they're just now releasing them in the United States. Yes. Um, but I'm pretty sure, I, don't, I didn't really look at the price, but I'm sure that that's pretty expensive. Um, Indeed. So <laughs> what I do, uh, for the time being at least, is I keep all of my food scraps in my freezer, like keep them in a bag in my freezer. And then I have a, at the icy the soybean research building, they have a composting bin that I just yeah. take it whenever the bag fills up, I take it there uh, because food waste is such a massive, I think it's about 20 to 25% of the average American household's garbage. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really great way to reduce waste. Yeah. I think that's, it's something that I've definitely been trying to, you know, get to do more myself. You know, I have my morning coffee. I, I don't like throwing away coffee grounds. My, you know, I have four dudes in my apartment, you know, we're all living together, you know, splitting the rent and you generate a lot of, you know, food waste in the sense of like just banana peels, coffee grounds, all these things that you can compost. So I think that's also a great way. I try to divert my waste stream by having, you know, our big recycling bin, you know, providing an avenue for compost. And then, you know, if it can't be either of those things, then throw it in the trash too. But uh, mm -hmm. I think that's a great way to look at it as well, because everybody eats, everybody eats and, you know, it's mm -hmm. an easy way to reduce the waste there. Um, one final question I want to get to is um, what you talk about a lot of different companies in here. And I think so many of them have really interesting, you know, backgrounds and ways they got into using these, you know, kind of recycled, reused products to make a new business. What was your favorite circular economy company that you've researched or that you've, you know, looked into since writing this book? That's a great question. Um... I would say, I would say Elvis and Cressy um, is one of my favorites. And actually, conveniently, for Christmas, one of my family members got me a bag from them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So they, if you haven't heard of Elvis and Cressy, they have, they create bags and wallets and things like that made out of decommissioned fire hoses in London. So basically, the founder, was taking this environmental management class and she went to the London Fire Brigade and saw that they had these huge mounds of fire hoses that couldn't be used anymore because they had holes or tears in them. So obviously not very effective at putting out a fire. Um, so basically what the company does is take those fire hoses and turn them into bags because the material is very durable. So it's waterproof will last a long time. And essentially the company has diverted 100% of the fire hoses from the London landfill. So I really love that's that great. company. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, that's something that I, prior to reading your book, never really thought about is, you know, something like a fire hose. You never really expect that it's gonna cause a lot of waste, but you know, it accumulates mm -hmm. and you can really reuse that. And like you just showed, make a really fantastic bag. I hope we can, you yeah. know, maybe get a picture of that that we can put on, you know, in the Definitely. podcast thumbnail or in the social media plug or something. Cause that's fantastic. I'm glad you were able to get some, um, really great. And um, that's all the questions I had. Um, but before we wrap up completely, where can listeners go and get a copy of your book and, you know, follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So I have a website, alexacsmith.com, that has links to, I'm pretty active on Instagram and LinkedIn. And I also have a podcast coming out soon. By the end of the month, 
we will be launching our first three episodes, which is exciting. It's called the Regeneration Podcast. It's about circular fashion. And um, what else? Yeah, basically the website has everything. I have a newsletter that I um, send out every week and blogs that I release there as well. Perfect. Well, hopefully we'll have some listeners going to check in. I know I'll be following along and I'll be tuning into that podcast that comes out soon. Alexa, thank you again so much for joining the interview and uh, hopefully we'll have you again on the show soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. And then we'll end recording on one, two, three, end record. Okay. And I can cut that last bit out. Perfect. Sweet. Oh wait, is it still recording? Oh no. If it is, it's okay. I can trim it. Hello everyone. So I just wanted to pop in here and tell you a little bit more about the projects that I've worked on. So as we mentioned in the episode, my book is called An Economic Eclipse, Shifting Toward a Sustainable Future by Eliminating Waste. And essentially the book is formatted by first exploring the history of sustainability in business and how that came to be. And it also addresses the shortcomings in this broad term that we know as sustainability in the private sector. Then I get into kind of what the circular economy is and what zero waste is and how that can be an effective strategy to be a climate activist. And so the main portion of my book describes several different businesses and explores the stories of the founders of these businesses in food, fashion, and various single-use plastic items, and the strategies that they're using to actively reduce waste. So that is essentially the premise of the book. It really kind of ties the connection between individual zero-waste habits and an industrial-scale circular economy. So I really hope you'll check that out. Uh, It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and other online book retailers just search up the title and my name and you can find it there both a paperback and ebook version and then for my podcast my podcast is called Regeneration and the premise of this is to have intergenerational conversations about the circular economy so my co-host is named sharon silberman and she is serving on the textile waste advisory board in new york city she's been a designer for over 30 years and recently i say recently within the past decade has decided to commit herself to advancing sustainability in the fashion industry and specifically reducing waste. So our conversations will revolve around design, policy, the issues of linear fashion, and the business models in the future of circular fashion. So our episodes will be airing starting at the end of January of 2022, and we hope to hear from you there. So thank you so much.